0: On SAFM
1: yeah. A very good afternoon to you Mzansi Welcome to Otherwise Talking Women on SAFM South Africa's news and information leader My name is Shadow Twala Hazel Makuzene is my producer And Derek Fordyce our technical producer for today Our contact details are 0892 10 Email otherwise at safm.co.za Tweets at otherwise safm or at Shadow Twala Dr. L.B. Kutsi is a promoter of craft art and social entrepreneurship. She talks to us about her second edition of Craft Art in South Africa, Creative Intersections. South African art is the new gold we hear. We find out why from Dr. Nomo Samakubu, who is the lecturer of art history and visual culture at the Michaelis School of Fine Art. And then finally, director of the bag factory, Sarah Hallett, tells us about their visiting artist program. Before all of that, our lunch bite for today, taken from Albert Cis- Alfred Sisley. Though the artist must remain master of his craft, the surface, at times, raised to the highest pitch of loveliness, should transmit to the beholder the sensation which possessed the artist. Hi, I'm
2: Brad Brown, and I'm a sports addict. If you are too, join me every Saturday and Sunday afternoon for SAFM Sports Special. Right here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader.
1: Now, as I mentioned, uh, Dr. L.B. Kutsia completed a Ph.D. at the University of Pretoria, focusing on the demographic characteristics and entrepreneurial attitudes of craft artists in South Africa. She joins me now on the phone and we're talking about her second edition of Craft Art in South Africa, Creative Intersections. Dr. Kutsia, thank you for joining me. Welcome to Otherwise. Thank you, Shadu. This, I missed your first uh, uh, publication of craft art in South Africa, but I'm sure it it did very well because I enjoyed specifically and congratulations to you and your photographer because these pictures are very beautiful. I do agree They are yes. Who is the photographer?
2: The photographer is Jacques Villiers, mm-hmm. and the stylist, Leon Fisser And they both have very keen eyes
1: Well, send them my congratulations because they're very beautiful Now, let's go to your demographic characteristics and entrepreneurial st- attitudes Which is what your PhD was about Can you just unpack that for us?
2: Yes, that was many years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I was interested to find out why um, some craft artists in South Africa are successful and others are struggling. And I really researched and um, interviewed craft artists to find out. Um, Where they come from you know the background have they had any formal studies Mm -hmm. and also the entrepreneurial attitudes you Mm -hmm. know do they create um with selling their products Mm -hmm. uh, in mind or do they just create and enjoy the process thereof
1: what were your findings as far as the demographic characteristics
2: um well the, the most of the successful ones um had a business plan Mm -hmm. even if it was not a comprehensive one but they knew what they wanted to do they um, have identified a market Mm -hmm. so they certainly uh, were more focused on on running a business
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and others just did it as as uh, telling stories i suppose from one generation to the other yes or as a hobby mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now we are a crafty bunch aren't we south africans you know um and i just wonder how much uh, we can use craft to to feed into or see it as an entry point to the economy of the country Oh, I
2: certainly believe that. I think we have amazing um, hand skills in the country.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And if we harness that and develop that, I think we could create employment and um certainly
1: um assist people to earn an income mm. now in your book you deal with different crafts and again you know uh, i i don't think south africans uh, understand the value of crafts as much as i suppose we ought to and and ought to support it and and buy it and and, and you know support the crafters themselves but what what are we talking about when we talk about crafts? Are we talking about ceramics? Are we talking about beading? Are we talking about uh, wh- what's the what's the array of 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 uh, 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 items that we can get out of crafts?
2: Well, the, the book features a wide variety of tactile uh, works created by hand through beading, basket weaving, ceramics, fiber art, glass, metal and wire wood, uh, metal and wire recycling, and wood. Mm-hmm. So there's a wide variety and it really embraces our nation's creative diversity
1: yeah because because you know and I I love the fact that you know one can pass on it's almost like a language that different people from different areas of South Africa can speak together because you know if they design together then there's, there's a kind of common language there is it not
2: yes yes absolutely if you look at the creativity of the different areas it is quite remarkable um, and um, the focus of the book is really on, on, the creative, on the creative intersections, the works featured, you know, they amplify that blurring of lines um, that distinguish between um, so-called fine art and craft. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. for me, craft art embraces both the conceptuality of art as well as the physicality of craftsmanship. Hmm. And we can look at, I mean, if we look at the basket weavers, if we look at Beauty and Zongo's baskets, they really, they are works of art. Hmm. Um, And many of the wood carvers, the ceramicists.
1: You know, I loved, um, I loved, is is it, was Duma? Yes. His ceramics are absolutely beautiful, but the story also, you know, because he was trained by a musician and painter. Yes, Makoba, yes. Yes. <laughs> and and it's just, he's made it his own. He, he,
2: he certainly has. And he has such respect um, for Makoba, you know, for what he did and what he shared with him. And I think that's one of the uplifting things. Um, when I travel in the field and I interview and talk and and spend time with people, is that sharing mm-hmm. of of knowledge?
1: Now I find a lot of you know I see a lot of women uh, who who sit in the background and do this, the the stitching and the beading, and um, and I know that some of these crafts have brought about projects that deal with serious community issues. Do you want to talk to us about that?
2: Uh, sorry I didn't I didn't the line wasn't clear
1: I say women that there are projects that uh, these these uh, artists contribute to for instance in communities where the women are the beaders and are the the, uh, other other stitches of of objects
2: yes Um, for me that is very much a collaboration many of the women like like the project that I run in in rural Limpopo Mm -hmm. Um, I collaborate with the women. I have ideas. I bounce the ideas with them. We discuss it and then we create and I think there are many, many projects um, in South Africa and certainly those featured in the book, Case mm-hmm. Kama, Karos, Mapula. Um, it's that sharing mm-hmm. of, of ideas and of tacit and explicit knowledge.
1: And, of course, it deals with other communal issues like uh, uh, bringing awareness of HIV, AIDS and those kinds of things.
2: Yes, certainly it does. It certainly does. And also uh, not only health issues, which is very, very important, but also about um, tourism in the country, cultural Mm -hmm. tourism and um, computer skills. um, Very, very important.
1: Mm. Now, if somebody's starting out and somebody has a skill of either beading or, or crocheting, and I see crochet, there's beautiful crochet baskets here, um, how do they go about getting into the market itself and making, uh, making sure that their products are, are, are out there? Because I suppose there's a, there's a huge international demand for some of these objects that are, that are just, just uh, strictly South African. So, how does one make sure that they become a, a an industry, a home industry, if you like, to get into that market?
2: I, th- I would uh, uh, propose the first thing you do is you start doing it. Mm. Um, look at designs. Look at magazines. Um, we have beautiful design magazines in our country. And then think what you can do. Come up with something original. Mm. Um, we all have. A huge amount of creativity, but it's sometimes very difficult, you know, to show and practice it. But go deep into yourself. Find out what, what do you appreciate? What do you think is beautiful? Do that and then network with other people. Find out where you can sell a product. Mm-hmm. Go to shops. We have in, in Cape Town, there's the Cape Craft and Design Institute, which mm-hmm. is very, very supportive. And I'm sure in, in many areas, one will find um, institutions like that where you can um, ask for assistance and help and to go out and ask and talk to people and show them what you do.
1: Mm-hmm. I like the, 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 the line. And do you find that it's more women than men who get involved in in, in, in craft art?
2: Um, <laughs> I don't think really if, if one... If you look at the um, Art in the Forest uh, project, there are many male potters. If you look at the uh, project in uh, Limpopo, uh, the Africania project um, in Palabora, Mm -hmm. uh, they they are mainly men uh, Mm -hmm. working in the project. I think when it comes to embroidery and very often beadwork, um, one finds, you know, it's, it's women that's involved in the project
1: are there enough resources uh, from 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 government and big business supporting the craft industry is there enough funding to grow the industry do you think
2: um
1: i think they could be could be
2: done much more mm. um i think with assistance in guiding guiding people not always financially but i think if one starts um Becoming involved in the project, project—it's that guidance and that um, building the people to have confidence to carry on. Because I, I find quite often, you know, people leave the project mm-hmm. and the project collapses.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: One, mm-hmm. one needs to make sure that they that the momentum is there, the energy is there, that the project can continue.
1: Now, how do we find all these beautiful crafts that are in the book? Where do we go to find them?
2: Well, then, there are many shops and galleries around, um, and I've mentioned many of them. And all the the people's names are in the book. <laughs> um, and that is, that is not difficult. So if you read the book, many of them, you know where their works are exhibited mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and in um, these days we have a wonderful facility called Google
1: <laughs> Now do you have a favorite um, in any of these pieces that are featured?
2: I think they all my favorite and there were so many um, more artists who create remarkable works and I would have loved to include more but Jonathan Ball, limited me with regard with regard to the number of pages
1: (laughs) well that means there's a third one coming then
2: (laughs) we can never say that this is the end of course you know it it carries on and since i've completed writing and the photography of the book there are i've noticed more people and wonderful works.
1: yeah i ask because i jealously want to 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 have the moon basket crochet rug Yes. That is, I I think, one of the most phenomenal pieces I've seen in a long time.
2: Yes.
1: And I I, I just wonder, because it it must take hours and hours and hours to do this. Yes, absolutely. What would a piece like that sell for? Do you know? I don't know. I really don't know. Well, LB, is, is, the, is the book at different bookstores or the good bookstores?
2: Yes, it is. It ye- is available at most of the, the bookstores. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I really, I um, sincerely hope that it will inspire people and encourage people to start um, doing something, creating with their hands. And that the book brings joy to those who read it
1: and page through it. Well, the pictures, as I said, are beautiful. And that's what keeps me going. Thank you so much for, for, for the book and the opportunity to talk to you. And uh, and we look forward to the third one.
2: Thank you, Shadu. <laughs> Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Dr. L.B. Kutsia, uh, Craft art in South Africa. And it's a second edition. But this one is called Creative Intersections and it is available at all good bookstores and it really does encourage you to want to you think i can do this i know how to crochet i know how to paint and you know pick up something and it's good for the soul it is it's good for the soul well we hear there's a surge in south african art sales what are people buying who's buying the artworks and are there many Black collectors. We started this conversation a few weeks ago when the, Afri- when the Cape Town Art Fair was on, and I thought it important to continue the conversation with Dr. Nomo Samakubu, who's a lecturer of art history and visual culture at the Michaelis School of Fine Arts at the University of Cape Town. And she'll join me after this.
0: On SAFM.
1: Dr. Nomu Samakubu is a lecturer at Heart, art history and visual culture. Michele School of Fine Art at the University of Cape Town. Dr. Makubu, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for making time. You are a very busy woman. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I try not to be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like the fact that you're busy because it means you're doing some serious artwork out there, keeping our students um, doing what they ought to be doing. Sometimes I feel like the
0: students have one foot (laughs) ahead.
1: Now, we've read reports about the new scramble for Africa, all supposedly started by Jared Secorta's self-portrait about nine years ago. Why do you think there's this renewed interest in African contemporary art? You know,
0: um, when I spoke to the journalist that published the article Scramble for for, for Africa, Mm -hmm. I began the conversation by saying that there was the 1989 exhibition um, which was called Magicien de la Terre at the the Pompidou Centre in Paris, Mm -hmm. which is generally cited to be the show that brought artists from other parts of the world apart from Europeans that exhibit exhibited them on the same sort of level and scale as their European counterparts. Mm-hmm. But I think since then there has been a surge of um, African curators like Akua and Weso, a surge of of, of um, exhibitions, large scale exhibitions and Biennales, which are focused on on artists. And many of those artists that have become popular artists who showed during that 1989 show The Magician de la Terre mm-hmm. I think also they've raised not just the awareness but also the value of African art um, and it also focused not just on artists who lived in the continent but also artists in the diaspora um, but of course I mean, it's created all sorts of other debates and conversations about how Africa has then become a kind of African artist become a brand or branded as a certain type of art um, but I think it's, it's introduced very important debates around how value itself works within those sort of hegemonic spaces where Europe and America were seen as centres and Africa was seen as a margin. Mm-hmm. And I think today that's not necessary. People have always contested that kind of positioning.
1: Well, the, 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 the question again is who, who I, I guess because of the demand, the price uh, is, is controlled by the West again, but who decides how much an art piece or an artwork is worth? I
0: think it differs from place to place. Um, With South Africa, I think they've become much more dependent on the private sector, which is largely, of course, artists depend very much on commercial galleries, that they depend on dealers. All of those things differ from place to place. In America, you know, it's it's a different system, but I think also commercial galleries play a big part. Whereas in other places, you find that there's still... Sort of good support for artists that they can still show without necessarily having to follow that sort of market system or be led by that kind of market system so i think in large part if in this context um prices are decided um by those commercial galleries those players those key players like commercial galleries art dealers um but also it depends on how you've been placed out there in the world so how often are you showing in major exhibitions um, so, you know, and you know how how much is your name recognized? And you know, I mean one of my students could sell for tens of thousands, for example. So an established artist could sell for higher amounts. Um, but also depends on how how much they, they they're able to show and expose their work. So I think it differs, but those key players there there is a sort of the, the sort of commercial market, There are dealers and the, the the gallerists that have made it you know, it made art very profitable for some artists or artists who are in their stable or artists that they represent.
1: Now, why do we see that there the aren't too many? And I'm not too sure from your perspective, but we don't see a lot of black art collectors.
0: I mean, I think, the, and again, I think that also depends from context to context. In the South African context, um, there has been a very slow development of of um, the black middle class. And I think the black middle class has always been in a very precarious situation where, of course, in the expression of the lifestyle of the black middle class, there's that sort of you you get all your acquisitions, but to buy uh, art seems like it's not one of those (laughs) (laughs) things that you first acquire. You know, the big car, the big house, and then you have to fill the big empty walls with something. But I think it hasn't been something that have caught on very easily but also the black middle class has been a very precarious um, situation so I think because of our history and because of the economic conditions our history has placed us in it's taken time um, to have a critical mass of black art collectors um, but I think, yes, there are. There is a growing um, 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 mass of, of, of um, black art collectives. But I, I think we also have to take into cognizance the, the fact that our history has placed us in a very difficult economic situation.
1: Is this, is this uh, the same in, in the rest of the continent, or is it just uh, in South Africa that, that you make those uh, observations? You know, it's good that you point that out. I was in
0: Nigeria in 2010 and 2011 to do my um, research. And when I was there, I stayed, I, I was there, I went there through a fellowship that was run by Oya the Omoba Yemiti, um Shilan Art Foundation.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And he is a black patron. And in fact, he's probably one of the biggest black patrons in Nigeria. And there's a whole network of... Black patrons who collect art, who keep art, but they collect it on such a, uh, um, you know, on the kind of basis that they have so much of it. It's, it's like, it's better, you might as well go to their house to see contemporary <laughs> art rather than go to a museum. <laughs> and I went to a museum and I thought, there's not much to see here, but you go to the, the private houses of the collectors and you have this wide array of Nigerian modern art. You have this wide array of contemporary art, but also traditional sculptural works. So, you know, I mean, if you come, you you know, if you think about countries like Nigeria, there's been a sort of long tradition where people have recognized what art is and and the kinds of values that it has. And, uh, you know, some of these patrons would then loan or lease some of these works to museums, or for exhibitions that are taking place in america so there's a kind of exchange that's happening as well which i thought was really interesting because i I couldn't think of a similar kind of example here in south africa Mm, mm. but yes i think in other places one can talk about that kind of patronage which is still private patronage but if one brings in the race issue as well it is
1: black black private priest patronage well, I want you to stay on the line for me for a bit because I also want to I want us to talk about uh, uh, Ghanaian Pa Joe's uh, decorated coffins, which are, mm-hmm. uh, are bringing a lot of attention to Africa as well. I, I don't
0: the um, sorry, but
1: yes, okay, go ahead. Please do stay on the line for me. Stay on the line for me. We'll okay. take. Um, We'll take news headlines now with Sir Otzile Sago. All right. Thanks, Shadow. Good afternoon. The announcement of the suspension of ESCOM's chief executive officer, Tidiso Madona, has sent shockwaves through corporate South Africa. An Eastern Cape woman who allegedly stored five dead babies in her freezer at her house has been released on bail of 5,000 rand by the Mtata Magistrates Court in the Eastern Cape. And Civil Aviation Authority... Is to investigate the cause of a crash in which two people were killed at the Pottersfield Airport in Northwest. Details at two o'clock.
0: Otherwise on SAFM
1: There's a scramble for African art, um, and 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 you know, Doctor Makubu. I know I know we're going to talk about Papa Joe in in Pajo in in a few minutes, but. Are we talking contemporary art here and are we talking about antique tribal pieces or is it across the board?
0: Um, There's been a long uh, history of interest which is problematic in traditional antique art uh, particularly by European collectors which has made certain pieces of course seem you know the whole issue around whether the pieces are authentic what is their provenance but also they're very expensive Um, there is that part of it um, Which I think Has has been problematic Because it's based on a very anthropological Sort of looting of objects mm. uh, and, and I'm trying to be Very careful around using some of these words yes. but of, of certain objects coming across In these antique shops But also the, the way in which They've been framed through um, Museums that have Represented Africa in a particular way So there's a kind of Africa that isn't Progressing past the traditional and so on, where traditions themselves are not growing and changing things. Um, so I think that is one part of it, is one stream of it, but then there's also the, the, the new interest in African art is the kind of African art that has a conversation with so-called traditions or so-called ideas about African identity, but interrogates them. It's the kind of art that interrogates how those stereotypes have become constructed It's the kind of art that deals and works with contemporary media, so photography, for instance, Mm. installation, performance, um, all of those things that create a new visual language for how we can think about the ways in which Africa is also engaging with the rest of the world as it is developing and progressing. It's not just staying in some place where tradition looks the same, so we expect that sculptures... From a particular area in Africa, will look the same, mm. and also it's questioning the assumption of Africa as this one homogenous thing. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think that that that, that interest rose from nineteen eighty nine and on and on, onwards, but also with the rise of um, young black, uh, well, not young so anymore, <laughs> but black curators like Okwu and Weso, um and you know many others, Salah Hassan, many others, you know who 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 have sort of brought that news of contemporary art onto the the fore?
1: Mm. Now, now a, a lot of people are saying uh, African art has is now almost. More in demand than contemporary Chinese art. What? What? Why the comparison? Do you think? Because I haven't seen contemporary Chinese art much, but uh, apparently we are being compared and we're overtaking. <laughs> we're overtaking the Chinese in demand. <laughs> I think we should be scared about overtaking the Chinese.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of very exciting Chinese work. I mean. If one thinks about Ai Weiwei, Wei, very political work. Many of, you know, artists who have had to self-exile because of the political currency of their work. Um and a lot of them have been very successful. Um uh, you know, and then there's, I mean, there's, there's also major biennales in Beijing. There's Guangzhou Biennale. You know, I think there's a lot of exciting work and very valuable work coming out of China. I think what we need to go beyond is the sort of regionalization of art. So mm. we need to think about art as a sort of post-regional, where in the past, we do thought that if something comes from China, it has to say something very specific about China. Mm. If something comes from Africa, mm. it has to say things in a certain way or behave or look certain way. Mm. So I think it becomes problematic when people begin to make those kinds of, are we overtaking China or are we not? Because I think China is equally just bringing out the most amazing and Politically exciting and dynamic works that are also really relevant in the sort of global contemporary
1: sphere Well, you know, these are the, uh, the, the business people the auctioneers and those kinds of people the gallerists that are talking and the, 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 that are Speaking that language, but it, it, it then tells me that we Or the artists themselves ought to create a language that is spoken about their work.
0: Um, the artists themselves. Yes. yes. Well, <laughs> I think you know the it, it is a pity because I you know, the artworks have a way of traveling way beyond the artist to mm. <laughs> having mm. almost develop a life of their own. But I, I agree. I think you know artists you know should take that agency. But I think it, it becomes impossible because it depends on all these other aspects that make art or the arts. The,
1: the, the art um, sector what it is mm. so now tell us how should we buy art then um, now that I think we all understand it's a great investment and maybe a lot of us should be concentrating on buying um, but how should we buy art and and again we know that the auctioneers and the and the galleries are the ones that determine the price but where do we start to to support artists
0: Intuition. I think, you know, a lot of people will tell you all sorts of things about formulas, which I don't have the answers for, but, you know, the kind of formulas about, oh, you should do this, or you should do that. Of course, a lot of people say to have an established um, collection, you have to have one ideological or some kind of ideology that leads that collection. So if you're collecting 60s, 70s photography, so like photography, then people know that that's that's what you're collecting if you're collecting uh political struggle art you mm-hmm. know then that your, your collection is struggle art if you're mm-hmm. collecting modern artworks like the tyranny and so on you have a strong collection of all of those works and that's what really strengthens your your connection it's not too too jagged and unconnected um so you don't have things coming from all over the place but i think really a person should be led by what speaks to them mm-hmm. collect what you think you love. You know, I don't think there's a one formula. I, I'm not in the commercial side of things, so I probably don't have the answer <laughs> for that question. But no. I always think that if you're going to buy something, buy something because it really speaks to you.
1: There was an, a discussion two weeks ago at the art fair that um, a lot of young graduates that may have been taught by yourself um don't you know they, they they're not given enough opportunity to grow in the in the medium and all of a sudden they're given these amazing piece um, um, amounts of money and then you know it loses yeah. their value because now they, they they're creating work for a market as yeah. opposed to creating work for themselves so what do you tell your students about that
0: it's it's a very difficult thing because I think when a student comes out to university, you really want to make money, and people start buying the one thing that you've done, and you think you should make more of the same. Um, but again, I think you know, as there, there, there are many other artists who have changed directions and suddenly created things that were unlike what they've done before, mm-hmm. and in some cases, yes, it does happen that they lose the, that market or the you know the work stops selling or whatever the case may be. But I think it's equally dangerous to not allow yourself to experiment. So I've always you know, I've always said to students, never let that sort of need for experimentation go. And even if, you know, you think about what success means, it, it doesn't always have to be equal to things that create monetary value or whatever it is. You know, it doesn't always have to success is not always in terms of the money you make. Mm-hmm. Um, so measure your success in different ways. If you have been successful for you know to if your art does something different in a social space that doesn't necessarily give you money then you've succeeded with something because you can see that what it's done and, and what it's changed in a social context so i think you know when we're speaking to students one has to also be careful to not make it seem like if you're not Represented by a major art gallery, then you're not successful. Or if mm. you're not selling for this amount of money, then you're not successful.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: So, yeah.
1: No. What, what What's on your wall? Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 I buy very small. Um, I, I support various small projects. So there's uh, there was the anti kids, project. Just a few years ago, I have some of those. I I buy very small. I don't have the kind of money <laughs> <that> most gallerists <laughs> ask for. <laughs> so it's not it's not any of the sort of well-known names yet. No <laughs> oh, but I, was, I walked through the art fair um, last week, and I remember that the first time I did the art fair a few years ago, I was walking through the aisles, and I had this little prayer, and I said, "Dear God." Please make me rich one day so that I can buy art, you know? And I still have that same friend. <laughs> because you look at the price
1: tag and you think, not on my salary. Yes, <laughs> yes. But at least you work with with different artists every day. So I suppose... it yes, yes. So it we, serves, we exchange works. And, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much for talking to us and thank, thank you for you. your time.
0: Thank you so much for inviting me. Okay, then. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Oh.
1: <laughs> Dr. Abnomosama Kubush is lecturer at Art of Art History and Visual Culture at Michele School of Fine Art and we'll continue to have these conversations because I think it is important that we also are uh, collectors of our art Coming up, I'm talking to Aisha Waja who is going to be a curator at the Bag Factory and they have a, a, a call for applications and about the Visiting Artist Program. She'll talk to us about that in a bit Otherwise on SAFM. Aisha Waja, welcome to Otherwise. Hi Shada, thank you for having me. Hi, tell us about the Bag Factory.
4: Uh, the Bag Factory is a visual art organization that mm-hmm. was started in 1991. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially what we do is provide studio space um, for artists, visual artists in Johannesburg, mm-hmm. and then we have residency programs, award programs, and we do workshops and exhibitions.
1: Okay, so you've got a call for applications at the moment. Just walk us through it.
4: So we have two calls out at the moment. One is for studio space. We have a studio that's available to rent. And any visual artist can apply to us to rent the studio space. Mm -hmm. We're particularly looking at full-time practicing artists. um, And an artist who is willing to get involved with our projects and our events. So someone who wants to be a part of the bag factory community.
1: Okay, and they rent in the studio space for what? Six months, three months? Uh, we usually do a year contract. A year contract. Yeah. And how much is that? How much is the it cost It's about 1,300 rand. Okay. Yeah. Let's give them the information because I think someone is listening and somebody would like to be part of the bag factory. And where are you? We are based in Fortsburg, very close to the Oriental Plaza. Mm-hmm. Um,
4: yes. Uh, if they would like to apply, they need to send us a, um, an application with mm-hmm. their CV, mm-hmm. a portfolio, and a letter of motivation.
1: Okay. And then you also calling for a visiting artist program. Yes.
4: We have an internationally recognized um, artist residency program, and we're currently looking for three visiting artists to join our program.
1: Now, when you say three visiting artists, what do you mean?
4: So, we're looking for an, um, an artist an African-based artist, so an artist from anywhere on the African continent. Mm-hmm. Uh, continent. Mm-hmm. And then we're looking for a South African artist that is not based in Johannesburg, so it could be Cape Town, Durban, Port Elizabeth, anywhere.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And then one artist who is based in Tang but not in Johannesburg.
1: Okay, so it could be from Pumalanga or some, wherever it is. Yes. And what should they? What do you want them to do?
4: We would like them to spend three months. At our studio space, mm-hmm. um, they will work uh, between the Bag Factory Art Studios and the OR Tambo Environment and Narrative Centre in Kuleni. Um, so their residency will comprise of making work in both spaces and conducting workshops at the OR Tambo um, Environmental and Narrative Centre.
1: Okay, and um, what? What? Who takes care of the costs? We provide. We take care of all the costs. So they get. Um,
4: accommodation, Mm -hmm. they get a materials budget, they get a a basic a daily diem, and then they get money towards the workshops that they have to produce and um, an exhibition for the at the end of their residency. Okay, is there a deadline for all submissions? Yes, the deadline is, so the deadline for the visiting artist residency is the 4th of May, Mm
1: -hmm.
4: Uh, sorry not the 4th of May, it's actually the 20th of March.
1: 20th of March? For both applications, yes. Okay, okay. And what do the, the, the visiting artists, What what is expected of them? Because you're taking care of accommodation and so, but do you take care of, of travel and all of that as well? Um, no, we don't pay for
4: flights mm-hmm. or visas. They have to cover their flight cost and their visa cost and travel insurance. Um, and then we do give them a tiny budget that might help them with... Um, some transport, but mm-hmm. generally their transport costs in South Africa they also have to cover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: but
4: mm-hmm. we do give them accommodation, studio space, a monthly per diem, materials budget, and then budget for the workshop and exhibition.
1: So how are you reaching people outside of South Africa? How do they know about these, these applications? Well, our residency program has been running
4: since 1996, and mm-hmm. we're part of the Triangle Network, which is a global international network of visual arts organizations. Mm-hmm. So we usually send out calls to our mailing list, which reaches all our international connections. We've had over 300 visiting artists from all over the world come through our doors.
1: Well, I would take it. I really would take it. It sounds like a a fun experience. Um, Do you have a website where people can get hold of you and get all the other information? Yes, our website is Bag
4: Factory Art. So it's Mm B-A-G Factory, F-A-C-T-O-R-Y.
1: Art, A-R-T, mm-hmm. dot, uh, um, dot org, dot mm-hmm. Z-A. Dot Yes. Well, we wish you all the best, and we hope to look at the work when it's done. Hmm? Thank you. Thank you. Take care, Aisha Wajah. You too. Thank Bye. you for joining us. So it is www.bagfactoryart.org.za.
3: And here's some music by Hugh Muskett.